Chris Tire Information Whiskey, 2153 Zulu. Wind, 0605. 0606 Mike Juliet, this is Archer Radar Contact. Hazardous weather information from Minnesota available on flight service frequency. You've dialed in the Flying Midwest Podcast. Connecting aviators from across America's heartland. Sharing news, information, and events from around the region. Sit back, relax, and join our crew for some hangar talk as we discuss a wide variety of regional aviation topics. And now, from our home at the Anoka County Blaine Airport, our checklist is complete and we're ready for departure for another episode of the Flying Midwest Podcast. What is going on, everyone? Jim here with the Flying Midwest Podcast. So happy you're able to join us. On this episode, it's story time. Trevor, Maddie, and myself will talk about our first solo flights. And as always, news, information, and events from around the region. With some friendly hangar talk along the way. So strap in, and let's take off into this episode of the Flying Midwest Podcast. Hey, guys. <laughs> are, you, are you ready, Maddie? Yes, Jim, I'm ready. <laughs> I don't know. I can, I can read. I got 78 degrees here in the trailer. So, without... Why do you keep it at 78? Who are you? I don't have the air conditioning on. I have the windows open. Oh. <laughs> it, it's bad for the ozone, Maddie. I'm sorry. I'm not sitting in a house at 78 degrees. That's awful. That's well, totally I, different if you got the windows open. Yeah, sure. I got, I got, I got yeah. a nice breeze coming through. I'm going to go with Trevor on this one. That's fine. If if you're enjoying the, the great outdoors, that's fine with me. Trevor for the win. Welcome to the podcast, Hi. everyone. <laughs> yeah, hey, hey, guys. Hey, Maddie. Hi. So this go around, I know that we said that we we're going to do a live episode this episode. This ep- the episode, this episode. Yeah, I'm aware that we said we we're going to go live this time and some things have come up um, in the technology space, mostly me not knowing how to use it. Um, <laughs> no, it's, got the Rona. it's I don't have the Rona. I've, I picked something up last weekend and I I don't know what it is, but I've tested negative twice. And that's more oh, medical. Jim. That's more sounds, medical information than anyone needs to know. Sounds like a lot of excuses to me. <laughs> Due to HIPAA laws. <laughs> Due to HIPAA laws. Do I need to wear a mask now? over the over this podcast it doesn't work that way <laughs> you would be completely it, unintelligible it it'd be worse than normal so anyways we're not doing a <laughs> <I was gonna laughs> <say> it. <laughs> that's awesome we won't be doing a live episode this time i'm going to work with the one and only brian turner figure out how to do this for real and we will have one of these in the future i promise it's just not gonna be this time just we didn't have enough time with personal jobs and school for trevor all that stuff so Sorry if you're disappointed. We promise we'll disappoint you again. So, moving right along, Maddie, do you have something that happened to you in the last couple of weeks? Uh, yeah, I have the scab. No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well played, Maddie. Well played. Did you get I, that on your you MEI got, check, you right? Itch, right? You got this itch. This, the need for speed. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's get this out of the way right now since you just said that. I'm just going to put this out there for the audience. This will ruin any credibility that we've ever had as a podcast. Not one of us have seen the Top Gun movie yet, the new one. Nope. Not one of us. Sorry. No desire and, to either. And you know what? It's okay. We're just not it's real okay. pilots. Just like we're not a real podcast. Mm, I think we're just... You, life gets in the way sometimes. I will see it eventually. The last week or so was not the time to do it, so me coughing through the movie would not be um, something anyone else wants to experience. Everybody would hate you more than normal. Yes. (laughs) So Maddie, we need to congratulate you. You got your MEI. Congratulations. Thank you. Well-deserved. I hope so. (laughs) I worked hard. More gusto, more confidence. I am. I did it. (laughs) There you go. How was your check ride? Um, it was a little rocky. I, 
got up really early that morning because I had to do my last flight. Uh, so I just had to do my, um, gosh, the green ride at like 7 a.m. It was insane. We had to take off. <laughs> we had to file an IFR flight plan because there was fog over the airport, of course. So I got point one, which uh, actual. So that was cool. Yeah, the flight went really well. And then I proceeded to sit at the airport for about eight hours, which was thrilling. Um, the check ride, the ground was, it started off a little rough. He asked me some questions um, about some regs that I hadn't looked over in a while, which was my mistake, obviously. Like I just didn't have all quite all my ducks in a row. And I was like kind of tired, <laughs> but I, the rest of it went really well. He was pretty pleased with everything I had to, had to say. We did the, well, we got in the plane and uh, we started it up or we, we turned on the uh, electronic master and there were no cast messages. So all the things having to do with the, are the glow plugs on, all the warnings and system notifications, none of it. And we're like, well, <laughs> our aircraft runs on computers. So it's not like we can't just take off without it. So he went home. Jake, my DP, went home to let his dogs out and while I scrambled to try to fix this thing. And thankfully, with the help of uh, a lovely other CFI at the airport, Kelsey, if you're listening, you're the best. We updated the cards. We did all the, we tried everything. And finally, we got it working. Whew, it was It was one of those moments where I'm sitting there and it's not working. It's like, I was so ready. And by golly, if I can't fly today, I'm going to lose my mind. So thankfully, we were able to do the flight. Um, it went pretty well. I, I can't even kind of like blocked it up from my memory, actually. I can't think of anything. <laughs> yeah, it's... You just landed uh, and they said you passed. You blocked out the rest of it. He actually doesn't say that you passed. You just... In, he just doesn't say it until you like get in the building. And then he signs your stuff and says, you're a pilot now or whatever he's notorious for that so I was kind of like yeah a little nervous but <laughs> everything you know seemed to go well he uh oh yeah now I remember he did a lot of maneuvers he I think he just wanted to fly but <laughs> so I coached him through the maneuvers as he was doing them and I was like all right this this is how it's kind of going to be except for my students aren't going to know what they're doing but that's okay well congrats again Maddie we're happy for you we're excited and thank you onward and upwards for you my friend i'm hoping so i'm hoping so you are yeah you're getting there now your next one is going to be atp check ride probably do it if i don't get seaplane or something else in the meantime yeah. i'm trying to be adventurous those are still check rides Trevor. but yes the next major one will be atp so speaking of congrats, what do you got next, Trevor? Well, um, my cousin, actually my cousin's son, Dane, he's actually a, was he a junior up at UND. He just got his multi-commercial. He's uh, looking to go into the UAS field. But yeah, he just, he just got his multi-commercial actually the same week Maddie did. So great job for the both of you guys. You know, proud of you guys. But we also have one more huge congratulation, a very special guest for the start off of our podcast here. We do. Yeah. Didn't, didn't I tell you guys? Tell me more. Oh, please. We have our very special friend, Elle, down in Mankato State. She just got her private license. Elle Taylor. Yeah, Elle Taylor. Congrats, she, Elle. She is going to be joining us here in uh, just a moment to talk about her, uh, her experience. Let's, uh, let's give a, a Flying Midwest welcome to L. Hey, L, how are you? Here, here's to the newest pilot in our group. Thank you. <laughs> Congratulations, L. We're really excited. How excited are you to have your private pilot's certificate knocked out? It honestly doesn't feel real. It, it doesn't feel real at all. Um, it's really, really good feeling. Um, but it doesn't feel like honestly true that I could just go pick up any single engine land airplane and be like, yeah, I'm legal to fly this. But you That's are. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you taken your dad up yet? No, we were actually going to rent a plane on my birthday this past Saturday, um, but the weather was crappy. So mm. 
we're going to do it next Sunday. So not this coming Sunday, but the next Sunday. Um, oh, and Father's Day. Father's Day. Yeah, Ooh, take my nice. friends up, take him up and my mom. Um, yeah, it'll be really fun. I'm excited. Oh, that's, that's awesome. What's next? You working on, are you working on your instrument rating already? Yeah. Um, funny story, actually. I was on my private pilot check ride and um his name was george he asked me he's like so like when are you gonna start instrument training and i was like well keep in mind that i passed today i will be starting it tomorrow (laughs) and he's like well i mean all you got to do is land it and shut the airplane off and you pass so as long as you can do that you're fine i was like okay sounds good (laughs) So I landed it and shut it off. And he's like, yes. And we were texting. He was like, yeah, as long as you can show me, you can shut it off. Then you're licensed. Good job. I was like, thanks. <laughs> but yes, I did start instrument training actually the day after um, I got my license. And I already am about to have my stage one uh, stage check here, hopefully within the next two weeks. Nice. Mm. Holds yeah. and stuff. I remember. Oh yeah. Oh, you liking those holds? <laughs> there were, I I remember doing the ground lesson and I was like, what? Yeah, it's it like Spanish. The rule of thumb. It doesn't it doesn't matter how you enter it as long as you stay in the protected area. Yeah. I mean, this is very true. Yeah. Legally speaking, they just give you like suggestions. Yeah, but it's yeah. been it's been good. I've definitely enjoyed it. I think a lot of people, at least that I know, have said that instrument training kind of stinks and they didn't really like it. But I've actually really enjoyed it. I know being in the dog cone of shame up in the plane kind of stinks. <laughs> the foggles. <laughs> but um, dog cone of shame. I've really, I've actually really enjoyed it. That's good. I think it's hard for a lot of people, like most people. It's a lot of theoreticals. It's a lot of very precise flying. Yeah. Um, a lot of stuff you can't see outside. So your visual reference is confined to whatever avionics you have and you have to just build yeah. it in your brain. And it's very challenging. So I'm actually really glad that you're you're liking it as an instructor. I'm like, yay. <laughs> yeah, I, I think me being kind of a perfectionist when it comes to flying about, you know, staying on altitude and, you know, making sure the standard rate turn is standard rate and times are on and, your airspeed's correct. I think that now that I can apply my passion for trying to be perfect on everything to actually doing something rather than just flying straight and level at 5,000 feet, then mm-hmm. it, it feels like I'm actually doing something. I said that to one of my friends. I was like, I feel like I'm actually like doing something now. I'm not just doing a steep turn or transitioning to slow flight and pitching mm-hmm. for 55. Yeah. Yep. What I think is really, really awesome is how many hours you got now? Um, when I got my private pilot's license, I had 60. That's so now bad. probably 70 or something like that. Okay. So short of a hundred, you're already in instrument training and you're getting the feel for the airplane. You're, you're early on in your career. That is amazing. Doing that at 70 hours you know, your experience is going to keep on growing from there and there and, and on. You don't have the time in my mind, you don't have the time to develop bad habits. So kudos to you. That's one of the the big things that, that I wish I learned way early on is that the more you fly, the more your bad habits, the more the shortcuts that you take, the the harder it is to get, Yeah. you know, from point A to point B. So keep it up. We're we're very excited to hear your progress. This is kind of fun too. Um, my first flight uh, with instrument training was in actual IMC. It was, nice. I don't know if you guys saw that on Instagram, but I did. Yeah, that was um, awesome. That's so cool. We, my flight instructor obviously filed a, a flight plan to New Alm, but we didn't actually go there. We just were able to get a block of airspace to do maneuvers in. And I'm the day before I had gone on across, I rode along on a cross country with one of my friends in actual IMC. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is so cool. I can't wait for instrument training. And then the next day I was able to do the same thing. And it was a surreal experience. Just like the first lesson. And I like actually can't see out the windows and 
we were at 4,500 and you could tell above us that the layer was just like, just the edge of the layer was right there. The sun was kind of peeking in. So we got clearance to go up to 5,500 and I have never felt I felt like we were at like 30,000 feet and we're at 5,500 in a little Piper Archer and you're totally cloud surfing it was I like I looked at my instructor I'm like I don't even know what to say right now this is so cool that's so great (laughs) wait 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 you mean to tell me you're peeking through your foggles no he let me take my hood off it's all good (laughs) as any (laughs) so what did you think about your check ride it went really well. My flight, I personally could have done better, I think. Um, just like little things, because I think we're all harder on ourselves than may someone else may see from the outside. Just like little things here and there that I'm like, oh, I know I could have done better on that, or I could have fixed that a little bit more or whatever. But when we went and did the debrief of everything, he was like, yep, ground was good. You just got to understand how a flight school pains an MEL and your flight was perfect. So yeah, I was like, Okay, sounds good. Yeah, DPEs, especially at the private level, do not expect perfection by any means. They are looking, are you safe? Are you knowledgeable? Do you have two brain cells to rub together? Great, private pilot. (laughs) That's that's exactly what he said, too. He's like, I'm not looking for perfection. I'm looking for understanding and knowing, you know, okay, I'm losing altitude. What do I do? Oh, my airspeed's low. What do I do? Mm -hmm. So Sounds like you absolutely killed it. Great job, Al. Thank you. So yeah. the last time we, we talked, you were just getting ready to get started in your in your flight training program. This episode, we're actually going to talk about like our flight training experiences. So I think you being the freshest private pilot that's out there, yeah. you've got some really good insight that uh, that you could definitely share with, yeah. the, with the community. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Do you have any adventures that you want to share with us from your first solo? Yeah, I can talk about it. Yeah. Bring it on, Al. Hear it. Um, yeah, so my instructor and I took off from Mankato and we went actually over to New Ulm because as we all know, Mankato is crazy busy, especially without a tower. Um, so we went over to New Ulm and we practiced a couple landings and then, um, eventually he was like, yeah, I think you're ready. So we taxied over, I let him get out and I remember sitting in the plane even before I started it and I was like, okay, this is just me. It's just me in the plane, like nothing else here. And started it up and taxied over. And I remember sitting there for a long time because there was a lot of traffic coming in and out. And then I finally was able to take off. And the second that the wheels got off and I was in the air, it honestly didn't feel like any different than any other time. Like Obviously, it's a huge experience having your first solo, but I was so comfortable being there and being at the controls and, you know, watching airspeed and watching altitude and whatever. It wasn't it wasn't stressful at all. It actually was like one of the greatest experiences I think I've ever had is just being by myself. And then, yeah, turn crosswind, downwind, base and final and landed. It was super, super good. The landing went actually really well. And I remember like hitting the ground and then taxiing off. And I was like, oh my gosh, I did that. Like, that was that was me completely by myself. And now I got to do two more. <laughs> no safety net. No. Um, yeah, it was, it was definitely one heck of a feeling I will never forget. How did you, le- how'd you log it in your logbook? Did you put anything like cool in there? Like, like anything Top Gun-esque? I just wrote first solo. <laughs> I have to put that in there because neither Jim, Maddie, nor I have ever have seen Top Gun, the, the new one yet. We haven't. What? Yeah. Too busy. Because I make us bad pilots. <laughs> yeah. So, so Elle's actually Ouch. on her way to all of our houses and Trevor's trailer to collect our certificates. <laughs> <laughs> snip, snip. Hey, you're not a pilot until you see it. Ooh. I saw the original though. Does that not count? That's, That's good. Yeah. Okay. I I don't want to I don't want to say this because I don't want to spoil anything. But I honestly think that the new one's better than the first one. Ooh. Ooh, it's in the bar, pretty. 
I don't like Tom Cruise, Comfort. so set the bar pretty low for me. But <laughs> but the first one was such a good volleyball movie. How are you going to top that? Such a good volleyball movie. <laughs> That's what it was about, right? Volleyball? Heck yeah. I'm really happy that this worked out. This is cool to have you back on. Yeah. I know we talked about when we interviewed you the first time that it'd be really cool to see what your venture looks like and to have to bring it back after you've gotten your certificate and your ticket punches is a really cool thing that we're able to do and congratulate you and and share your story yeah i have something fun to share quick before we're done too um okay my my dad and i um installed autopilot into his rv8 took a little while the efis that he has in there is 11 years old so it needed a major software update because the servos were not connecting to it at all um sounds about right we had a a little bit of trouble there trying to adjust things fix things update stuff but um on wednesday we flew from south st paul he picked me up in mankato and then we flew to lake of the ozarks um in missouri because we have a boat down there wow and used the autopilot the whole way and it worked perfectly Awesome. That's awesome. A picture of him sitting in the front seat. And he has his arms up. No hands. <laughs> My no hands. Oh, that's fun. Definitely really cool. I mean, I can't necessarily see everything that he sees up there, but yeah. for him to install his own autopilot and then us test it on a just under two hour little trip to Missouri to spend the night with friends at the boat and the lake, totally a great experience. Oh, that's so Wait, fun. That, that was a two-hour flight from Mankato? Yep. That's awesome. Yeah, we cruise at about 200 knots ground speed. Wow. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's so fast. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it's definitely a lot quicker than anything I've flown. <laughs> Thanks for taking the time to stop by. It, it's always awesome yeah, to, to talk to you. And we'll definitely be in touch as you go through your, your instrument training and uh, get done with that. <laughs> yeah. You, will. you take care of yourself, all right? Yourself, all right? Fly yeah. safe. You guys do. Thank you. Good night. Nice. Take yep. care. Good she's for so, her. She's so great. I know. That's so awesome. She's a private pilot. She did it. That's I, so great. I'm just I'm just <laughs> glad that that she's getting in she's getting her training in now versus later on. I'm just excited for her to continue that. Um, journey through her different ratings so she can achieve her dreams of bigger and better things with the airlines. So that was really a fun way to start the podcast, giving out some congrats to some well-deserving aviators as they move on to the next steps of their adventures in aviation. Yeah. And I would invite anybody that that's, uh, that's listening. If you're a private pilot, if you're getting your instrument rating, whatever milestones in your career, you want a shout out from us please send us an email or an instant message we're on all the different social media platforms so drop us a line we'll shoot you congrats should we move on to some news let's do it all right trevor what do you got for us yeah let's uh let's start our uh news off in north dakota grand forks the uh, faa has announced that uh 18 airports in north dakota will be uh receiving upwards of $16.2 million. Grand Forks Airport will be one of those, getting a large chunk of money. Its intent is to fund a runway intersection construction project that's scheduled for later this summer. Um, Unfortunately, that will mean that there's going to be some air travelers that are going to be restricted uh, with air travel going into there. Delta and a few other airlines are going to be canceling uh, commercial traffic into Grand Forks for uh, for about two weeks. The tentative start date on that is going to be uh, August 21st, so plan accordingly. One note, one little side note, UND will not have an issue with those operations because they are small airplanes, land and shorter distances, all that sort of fun stuff. So if you want to see some good construction projects going on, uh, go up to Grand Forks. I do appreciate that they're not shutting the whole thing down. I mean, I get that if they needed to, they would need to, but um, to allow for the private aircraft to keep doing their flight training, things like that. Still good that the airport can get some use during that project. Oh, absolutely. 
it's going to help with their with their utilization all that sort of stuff it's nice to see that we're investing in airports i i think that's a huge investment it's it's a it's a perishable investment if you don't take care of it it's going to go bye-bye yes sir in staying in the uh the upper midwest minneapolis has taken uh funness to a whole new level funness MS- i know right <laughs> msp airport debuts a mock aircraft to help the ease of flying anxiety now this is actually kind of an interesting interesting uh, little project that msp did it's in terminal one people can now board a mock airplane cabin it's from a retired 737 now the whole premise of this is we know there are a lot of people out there that are that are scared to fly it's one of those uh nerve-wracking things that people just they don't manage it well and then it, and, you know it's like oh what if this happens what if that happens and then you watch you know hollywood and you're like oh my gosh if a window blows out, i'm gonna get sucked out no that's not gonna happen this is aimed to kind of help with that um the metropolitan airport commission on monday so this is just this past week said it's to help support the airport and, uh, and provide public safety training and uh provides programs to help travelers build confidence with their pre-flight experiences the new space features a 33 foot long mock aircraft cabin that was previously used for training in the Delta Airlines and the uh, in-flight teams in Atlanta. Um, it also has uh, 42 cabin seats. And again, it was, it was from a retired 737, but if you want to learn more, the, uh, the, the project was about $150,000, which was split between Delta and Metropolitan Airport Commission and the uh, Airport Foundation MSP. The one question I have, will I get charged for oversized luggage? I don't know. Maddie even muted herself. She just didn't even want to comment on that. I don't think she's prepared to answer. You did make a face. Yeah, that was that was my answer. <laughs> Too much of a dad joke? <laughs> a bit. Yes, it was so dadly. <laughs> One other note on this story. You can make reservations for pre-flight experiences through the Navigating MSP program that will include in that article in the show notes. If you scroll down to the bottom of the article, there'll be a link there. I'll take you right where you need to be. So down to Kansas City, Missouri, there was a COVID-related cleaning at the uh, Kansas City Tracon that led to a ground stop on Tuesday morning. So this was, so Tuesday was the 31st of last month, because I forgot. (laughs) Thanks of May. May. Last month worked. It's going to be May. All right. So... Yeah, it led to a ground stop, which I've actually never heard of, but it led to a ground stop on um, 31st at Kansas City International Airport. Um, Ground stops are implemented to control air traffic volume when traffic demand is, quote, is expected to exceed the airport's acceptance rate. So during this ground stop, um, flights destined to the airport are held until the ground stop is ended. So these um, incoming flights from Chicago, Salt Lake City, Atlanta, Houston, Dallas, Cleveland, Denver, Minneapolis, just to make um, name a few, were delayed until about 9 a.m. Uh, the facility closed at 6.30. They had one runway open and there were takeoffs and landings that were occurring during this time. But unfortunately, some people saw some pretty, pretty big delays. So yeah, that is pretty much all on that front that I can tell. In bigger and more important news. Later this month, in if you are in Michigan, you might have a warthog on your highway. So according to a press release, <clears throat> the Michigan Air National Guard will partner with the Air Force Special Operations Command and uh, the Michigan De- uh, Department of Transportation and other local agencies to host an exercise called the, quote, Northern Agility 22-1. And this is uh, to prepare military air crews for operations in, quote, austere environments under the Air Force's Agile Combat Employment Doctrine. So this will showcase an uh, A-10 Thunderbolt II, so also known as the Warthog, um, and other assorted aircraft conducting these Agile Combat Employments at the Sawyer International Airport and on a closed portion of the M-28, and they will focus on their logistics and their ability to conduct um, integrated combat turns in these types of environments. So as you may know, highways in the U.S. must have portions of the said highways that military aircraft can land on and take off from. So uh, they are doing that, which is pretty cool. Um, They're closing a 9,000 foot section of the four lane highway. And the landing zone is actually nicknamed um, Hawk LZ in honor of an F-16 pilot, uh, Major Derwood Hawk Jones from the Wisconsin uh, 115th Fighter Wing. He lost his life in a training accident in Michigan in 2020. This will operate for about six hours on June 28th. Uh, They will have activities in this 
same nature um, on the 27th and 29th at Sawyer International Airport. So if you're near there, definitely take a look for some warthog action on your highway. That's going to be fun. Hey, Jim, do we have any events? Usually we have too many pancakes. We do. And this time's no exception. So June 11th is International Young Eagles Day. So you can bet that anywhere that you can normally find young eagle flights, they're probably going on and they probably got some pancakes. So rather than lift off 175 different Young Eagle Day activities occurring through the Midwest, just check out your local EAA chapter, see if they've got an event going on and go check that out. I personally will be at the Blaine Airport tomorrow checking that out. Um, If you are listening to this podcast any day after the time it releases, it already happened and you missed it. So um, better luck next year. (laughs) (laughs) Well played, Jim. Yeah. You may recall from our last episode with Flying Tandems, Tomas and Nicole, that they enjoy the Cornucopia Airport. Well, there's some interesting news about that that we didn't cover in the news section, but I'm going to right now because it is relevant to the events we're going to talk about. That's right. Yes, that is right. Cornucopia Airport is now open to the public and is officially a public airport. So if if you haven't listened to that podcast and you go back and listen to it again and he says, oh, it's a private field, don't worry about it. It's public now. So anyone can come, anyone can hang out there and do their aviation thing. So June 17th and 19th at that airport, which is going to be 2-3 Whiskey for their identifier. They'll be hosting their third annual Solstice Fly-In. So go ahead and check that out at their Facebook, which is www.facebook.com slash corny airport. Not kidding. That's what it's called. (laughs) You know they did that on purpose. As they should have. Also within that same community in Cornucopia, Wisconsin, it appears that they're trying to get people in there to enjoy the community and this newly christened public airport. July 3rd, between 11 a.m. and 2 p.m., they will have their 76th annual fish fry in the town of Bell Community Center, Cornucopia, Wisconsin. So you can dine in, take out. They'll have fresh deep fried white fish, a lot of other tasty treats. Adults will be $15. Children under 12 are 10. Information will be available on their site as well. On to the next event, we're going to talk about Saturday, June 18th at the Granite Falls Airport, the 2022 Ray Fagan Memorial Air Show. Talked about this on a prior episode. We'll throw this one back in the show notes as well. As that event gets a little bit closer, go on and check that out. So they'll have plenty of things as far as vehicles and a camp and reenactors throughout the day to provide you with an authentic World War II experience. They have plenty of other information and tickets will be available on a website that I will post in the show notes for you. General admission will be $25 online plus fees and $30 in person. It goes down from there if you bring kids. And one more to bring in on June 26, 7 a.m. to 11.30 a.m., the Marion Fly-In Drive-In Breakfast by EAA Chapter 33. This is going to be at the Marion, Iowa Airport. Charlie 17 is the identifier. Bring your family and friends out for breakfast at the airport. Enjoy the aircraft on display, classic cars, airplanes, and helicopter rides, weather permitting. Here ends the events. So we've had so many great guests on the podcast that we're able to share their stories, their experiences, uh, but we don't always get a lot of time to talk about our experiences. We spread them in there here and there, sprinkle in some stories, but in this episode, we're going to talk specifically about our first solo flights. It's arguably one of the biggest initial moments in your flight training experience. The first time you take to the skies alone, you feel that aircraft have a little bit of a better uh, climb rates than it would with that instructor in the seat. So we're excited to share those stories with you this time around. And when did you get your first solo, Trevor? Do you know what year you did your first solo? No, but I remember it was March 5th. Uh, next question. Do you not have your logbook right in front of you? <laughs> do, but... Well, take us back to March 5th, Trevor. Tell us about your first solo. So this logbook starts back in 2008. My first solo is actually kind of interesting. I actually encountered an aircraft emergency on my first solo. Shut the front door. Spooky. Tell us more. So I did my training through Thunderbird Aviation. Thunderbird Aviation is there in Flying Cloud and there in Crystal Airport. And I was actually going to college at the time. And the airplane that I was soloing, it was, so it was March, I think it was March 5th. And it was cold. It was, there was still snow on the ground. So as I, I line up on the shortest runway and I take off and as I'm climbing out, all of a sudden I see all my, all my instruments, my gyros die, my, my vacuum system 
or yeah, so my vacuum system died, my pedostatic system died, and I'm like, um, Tower, this is a uh, so and so. I got a little bit of a situation here. I don't need priority landing, but uh, this will be a full stop going back to Thunderbird for a maintenance issue. And they like, I don't think they realized that I was on my first solo. And so I ended up landing uh, something pulled into the parking spot, made you know, the mechanic looked back at it and uh, jiggled a couple wires. And next thing I know, I was on the air. I was in the air again, did two more beautiful takeoffs and landings. And that was my first solo. And then uh, about an hour later, I got back in the air with my instructor, went to the practice area, went back, and I then I did the exact same thing again. So I, I ended up accruing almost two hours of solo time on that first day. It was a lot of fun. You know, if I, if I was to look back at my time as a private pilot, or even as a student pilot, what kind of helped me, and if you don't mind, I, I'd like to get into that aspect, what kind of helped me get into that mindset is... I was always prepared for anything. You know, I was, I was prepared for the lesson, the instructor, when he was debriefing, I was pre-flighting the airplane. I was, I was Johnny on the spot. You know, I was making sure that, that the airplane is filled up, pre-flighted, um, covers on it. There's, there's heater on the, uh, on the engines. Cause again, it's winter time. And as, and as well educated on, on what was to ex- be expected that day and all those days. So I end up soloing very young in my in my aviation career. I think if I look back at my logbook, I have maybe five hours, six hours. That was my first solo. I, I had an in-flight emergency. Not really emergency, but it was it was an abnormal situation. <laughs> Everything that you learn from your instructor on how to fly the airplane is preparing you for situations like that where you have to think outside the box and you have to troubleshoot when you're you know almost task saturated and you have to okay is this gonna is this gonna kill me no does this affect my my downwind base and final no put it in the back of your mind note it okay well i'm gonna go land i'm gonna go take it into maintenance and, and away i go now if my engine fails that's a whole other story well trevor just one note for our, all of our younger and even more experienced pilots who are listening to the podcast, an emergency is what you make it. Now, Trevor is an abnormality. Usually people at who solo at five hours are not usually as cool, calm, and collected as Trevor when you lose literally every instrument you have except for your radios and your engine. So, and your eyeballs. And your eyeballs. <laughs> and your eyeballs. Those, those, that's something, too. So... If you are in a situation where you are not comfortable and you something went wrong, it doesn't have to be an engine failure for you to declare it as an emergency. Do not hesitate to declare an emergency if you see fit. ATC and you yourself will thank you once you're safe on the ground. So our ATC buddy Jack Parkin also has told us, you know, just tell him what's going on. If you're on your first solo, tell, tell the tower what's up and tell him what's going on and then if you don't need to do that, then don't. Trevor's an abnormality in so many more ways than one. And <laughs> that's not where I thought Maddie was going to go with that comment, but she's right. Um, most students probably would, they would have panicked at least a little bit. I know I would have lost my marbles if I had, if I was on my first solo and lost everything. It would have been you know, challenging. But, but, here's, but here's the thing. If you, if you boil everything down to, okay, do I have an engine? Yes. Do I have wings? Yes. Do I have smoke and fumes? No. Do I have control of the airplane? Yes. It's not that big a deal. Yes. In general, it may not be an emergency if you lose everything. However, it is the pilot's discretion. If you don't feel comfortable and things are happening, obviously having a failure. If you're a student pilot, something like an airspeed indicator is pretty important because sometimes you may not be attuned to the sounds of the airplane when you're trying to, you know, keep your airspeeds at their proper place, you may not have those habits ingrained yet. That stuff is important. There's a reason we oh, have I, it. Oh, absolutely. So, Ab- absolutely. I, I, I agree. I just don't want our listeners to, you know, think that they're a, a baby or a wuss or they made the wrong decision if they declared an emergency for something that's not so critical as an engine failure. Oh, absolutely. They're, you know, an emergency is like you said, what you make of it. 
And this is by no means a way to diminish anybody declaring emergency, because if you declare an emergency, you get, you get priority handling. You have, you have, you have a lot more options that are available to you. You get priority handling, you get everybody out of the way, you get a block of altitude if you need it. Just basically you can deviate however you see fit to meet the needs of that emergency. But to my point, you want to make sure that yes, declare an emergency, but don't lose your mind about you. You have the skill set from day one to kind of put that in the back of your mind and fly the airplane. Obviously we are, we differ slightly in that mindset because when you don't have habits ingrained, obviously, you know, you're the thing, the way you react is may not be perfect. It, and it's just, it's, it doesn't it's mean you're a bad pilot, just means you're not quite there yet. And that's fine. Especially if you're a student pilot, you know, if you, you know, have a couple ratings under your belt, it's probably expected that you can handle a few different types of emergencies with a cool head. But especially as a student, fear not, if something happens, if you have control of the plane, you're okay. However, do not be ashamed to declare an emergency. But I never, I never said don't declare an emergency. I know it was the way you said it, Trevor. It sounded like, well, you can still fly <laughs> the airplane. Like, why are you wanting to declare an emergency? Or you can declare an emergency, but I'm just wanting to make that clear as the, I guess, devil's advocate, if you will. So after that experience, what remarks do you write in your logbook? For your first solo, do you have any special remarks you put in there? The old trust you asked log. L earlier. It just says straighten up and fly right. <laughs> <laughs> so it says lesson nine complete first solo. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I shouldn't say like, oh, that's it. If you're listening to Maddie and I go back and forth, then why wouldn't you say that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> mine, mine, frankly, is not that much more exciting as far as the, uh, remarks that are in the logbook so it just says first solo but i put three exclamation points after it but i also made a notation full stop taxi backs and what runway i used i don't know why i felt that was important to put but i did well it's so you can reminisce yeah so i bet i bet maddie put a big smiley face in her remarks section i don't know if i did let me check i don't think i did actually what's it say maddie uh first solo with a little scribble because I screwed up. <laughs> I just put solo, but I ended up scribbling it out and, sa- and I said first solo. It was a bit of a day. So we're going to hear about that in a few minutes, aren't we? Mm-hmm. So I didn't have like an emergency or anything like that. But so I actually have like a little shadow box of mementos from that flight that I have put in there. Um, I also use like for the backing of it, I've got the sectional that I use through my training. So it's got the mapping that I used for my two cross countries that I did during my student pilot adventures. But that's actually a really good idea. That's really cool. I have mine floating around. Yeah. It's got the, it's got the shirt tail cutting and it's got, I'll spoil the story. I'll tell you what else is in there in a second. So hang on one second. I'm going (laughs) to die a little bit. (laughs) What no one knows as they're listening to this podcast, I'm pausing this about every minute and a half to cough. So um, the editing skills that are, it's not Corona. I got tested. Stop asking me HIPAA related questions. <laughs> so for my first solo, this was back in 2013 in the winter months. I did it back in February. So before my actual first solo flight, uh, my instructor and I were mostly just doing takeoff landing work, power off landings, go around procedures, things like that. I had a feeling it was coming. I didn't know it was going to be that day, but I knew we were close because we talked about it. So we get ready to go that day. We do a handful of landings um, with my instructor. And then I think it was about five or six landings. We decided, well, she decided uh, we were going to land and we we're going to uh, taxi off the runways. Um, and she told me, head over to the tower, which was not an instruction that I would normally get. So we taxied over to the tower itself, stopped at the base of the tower. She told me to shut it down. So that's when I got the, the good news. I was going up and she was going to go hang out in the tower. Um, so she actually went up into the tower. She watched my whole experience of takeoffs and landings and the whole solo flight from there took some pictures, things like that. But the, the fun part for me was we have been doing all these landings and I I felt pretty good. Um, and then we transitioned to now I'm solo. And like I teased a little bit in the intro of this, it 
the the climb rate's just different and it feels like you're taking off a little bit in a rocket um, and just looking over and going, oh boy, I'm all by myself and I got this. So we get up and the first thing that I'm told after taking off is make right traffic, which I had not done very much of ever. It's just left traffic, left traffic, left traffic. And I've got this great site picture and I've got these great reference points because I flew out of Anoka all the time. So I knew where all my turns were at. And then first one off the ground, make right traffic. So all my reference points were off. I admittedly probably wasn't even as cool as Trevor with all of his instrument failures. I'm like, crap, where are all my reference points? But it just took a minute to realize it's just a runway. End of the day, it's a runway. Your reference points are the same. You don't have to, just because you're not over this specific building doesn't matter. If your reference points are, you're hitting them the way that you know that you should, as far as reference to the runway itself and not other points in the ground, you're gonna be just fine. So everything went well. I did my three landings, went back to the tower. And one of the momentos that I got from that was the flight strip from the tower. So that flight strip uh, with, you know, my solo flight strip for my first solo flight with um, the remarks, as well as good job from the tower. Um, and then that went in my box with the pictures that she took. She took one picture specifically that I love in that box right before I took off where I'm, I'm sitting in the plane and I just, I like this picture because I'm, I'm looking at it and I'm like, I almost look like I'm a real pilot in there. Like I might know what I'm doing. And it was just a fun experience, you know? So yeah, like I said, in my logbook, first solo, three exclamation points, and then what runway I was on. So, but yeah, don't, I think that the moral of my story, I guess, is don't let the little things that throw you off fool you. Trevor had a big thing that threw him off, but uh, that little thing for me could have thrown me off a little bit. I'm like, oh crap, right traffic. Uh, and, you know, just even for a couple of seconds of not realizing what I wanted to do and throwing off my plan, just remember what you're taught. Fly the airplane, you know what you're doing. Thanks, Jim. So I think that we're in for the long story. Maddie, you've kind of teased that you've got a longer story that you want to share for your I first do. solo. Mine is, is this, a little chaotic. It's fun, is though. this as chaotic as your MEI check ride? No, this was worse. <laughs> oh, even better. <laughs> My private pilot was chaos incarnate. This was insane. So I flew out of Fort Lauderdale Executive Airport in um, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. If you don't know where that is, good grief. Don't fly there unless you have, you know, your head on a swivel and you are willing to deal with super chaotic stuff because it gets wild down in um on the east coast of, of Florida. It's a lot, but um, Fort Lauderdale Executive is actually tucked underneath um, Fort Lauderdale International, which is right next to uh, Miami. So there's a lot of flight training. There's a lot of commercial traffic. It was pretty wild. And ex the executive airport is was really, really busy. And I have not been to an airport that has been that busy. I've even flown into some Charlies and they have not been that busy. It was a busy airport. So I didn't solo there. I actually soloed. I was the only student at my school to solo at, a, at an airport that we love to nickname Scary Perry. Uh, uh, North Perry Airport in, uh, in uh, North Perry, Florida. Um, two, par two sets of parallel runways. Looked kind of like a hashtag. It was a little nuts. Banner towing, students galore. Um, pretty chaotic. But I, I, I really liked that airport. For whatever reason, my instructor was the only instructor that was allowed to fly there because he did banner towing out of there. Victor, if you're listening, oh my gosh, thank you for sticking with me. <laughs> I had about 50 hours when I soloed, which was a lot. And um, there were the, the heat was on for me um, in us, the school that I was in. They wanted me to solo a lot quicker, but I just, I wasn't getting it. I was flying the DA-20, um, Diamond DA-20, which is a really fun aircraft, but it takes, it takes a little bit to to, you know, really master. And I had a lot of confidence issues and stuff like that to go along with it. So that was, it was hard. So the day of my solo began, my instructor practically dragged me to the airplane. I didn't want to solo. I was not excited at all. I was terrified. But he's like, you are soloing today. You don't have a choice. I was like, awesome. So we fly over to North Perry, we land and we get off at uh, the hangar that he did banner towing out of, which was a kind of a cool experience. I got to meet some of the guys he flew with and stuff. Um, we uh, did, and we ended up doing six landings um, 
And then he's just like, all right, I'm getting out. Go, go text to the Wagner hangar and shut down. I was like, okay. So we did that. We had to let the plane cool off. Cause I don't know if you know anything about D twenties in the Florida heat, but they overheat in about 30 seconds. It's great. So that was fun. We sat there and he quizzed me and I did terribly. It was not a great confidence booster, but he ended up saying, I want you to go solo today. So I said, okay. And as soon as I got in the plane, everything was felt normal. Like there was obviously nobody beside me, but I was just like, all right, doors are locked. Checklist and started going through the checklist. And it was, you know, everything was normal, which was kind of cool. Um, so I talked to taxi to the runway. Um, ground got a little mad at me, but it was, I just said first solo and it was all forgiven. As soon as like Al, as soon as the wheels left the ground, I was just laughing. I, it felt surreal. And the diamonds, when they take off, they just shoot up like a rocket. And that's how this felt. And cause it was so much lighter and all, and it was a surreal experience. I was singing and laughing. My best friend, Justine was actually in a parking lot that I, so I saw her wave to me as I, I took off for the first time. My uncle was also there, which was super cool um, that he got to see that because um, my parents weren't able to come. Um, they didn't, he was just in town by happenstance. Um, so I did, I did two laps in the pattern. I did full stops. Um, unfortunately, because the diamonds overheat so fast, if they get stuck on the ground, we basically have to shut down. So I unfortunately got stuck. I overheated. My oil temperature got into the red. Um, I was stuck between aircraft with no taxiway in sight waiting to take off. So I actually, I didn't obviously declare an emergency or anything, but I talked to tower or I talked to ground and they eventually got me weaseled out. Um, so I could go shut down for a while. And then my instructor's like, you're got, you got to do one more landing at the time. I didn't know <laughs> that you don't actually have to, but that's what he wanted. So we had to wait till the plane cooled down. And then I got back in, did the other landing and it was all good. He came back and he said, and this landings were the a huge struggle for me. And he mentioned that his coworkers were like, wow, her landings are fantastic. And that was like the biggest compliment I've ever received. Like these experienced banner tow pilots were complimenting my landings, my first solo landings. And they were pretty good. Those were probably the best I had during my private pilot. Uh, they, they just went bad worse from there. But it was really cool to have, you know, some family and friends there. Um, we ended up flying back to FXE and, uh, he didn't cut my shirt tail, unfortunately, cause that wasn't something that happened to him, but I have a shirt with North Perry on it that I wrote my first solo on. So eventually I'll, I'll cut that. And I, I'd like to also make a shadow box at some point, but yeah, there's my first solo story. It was long and convoluted probably, but that's what I remember. It was, it was a time, but Hey, to all you people out there. If you are struggling with something, landings included, do not give up. I am an MEI this day. It took me a few years, but if I can do it, you can do it too. So do not give up if you are struggling, especially as a student pilot or as a young pilot. Do not give up your dreams just because you don't get it the first try or the 10th like me. So how many hours do you think you have when you solo, Maddie? I had about 50. Okay. And I think I was at about 20. Okay. That's more, that's more common. This day and age is, is 20, 20, 25, even just because technically, if you look, um, if you look at the, uh, the FARs, the things that you have supposed to be proficient with is everything except for short and soft field landings and cross country stuff. You're supposed to be able to do all the maneuvers. You're supposed to be do all the emergencies everything to proficiency. So most people do take, you know, about 20, 25 hours. And if you're over that, that's okay. To all you listeners out there, it's okay if you took more than that, because I did. <laughs> and I know my journey up to that point, I felt like it was kind of segmented. Um, and it wasn't through necessarily a lack of wanting to go fly. It was that um, for every three flights you schedule, you might make one of them. Yep. Weather, Very maintenance, <laughs> things like that. So that's a a common thing that I experienced in, well, every rating that I've gone for. So 
including going to fly tomorrow. It's supposed to be marginal VFR and I want to do, <laughs> I'd like to do some ground reference maneuvers and something that's not three miles of visibility. That would be good. Hey, Jim. Hey, Trevor. That's such a great episode. What's on our next episode? So our listeners can get super pumped up for it. Super pumped up. All right. Yeah. So next time we're going to have AOPA's CFI of the year, Amber Peterson. She is a Minnesota-based flight instructor who will be joining us to talk about her CFI experiences as well as the honor and how she was nominated for AOPA's CFI of the year. Woo-hoo. That sounds really exciting. I'm excited to meet her virtually. You know what we didn't talk about before we wrap up here? No. We have a new logo. <gasps> we do. It looks really nice. It's pretty sweet. I'm still sad he didn't use like any form of low wing, but it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. For what? And a low wing instead of a Cessna. No, we want him to use a Cessna to piss you off. Yeah, I'm sure. It works. It looks cool. It looks like it's fast, which is hilarious because I'm pretty sure it's a 150. <laughs> no, it's a, it is actually a 172, I think. Is it? That's a fast graphic is what that is. <laughs> it's so wanna, fast. If you want to check that out, it's going to be on our website. It's going to be on all the podcasting platforms. I changed it on the app that we use. So that should be changing when you listen to this podcast, as well as any of our social media. So check it out. Let us know what you think. And let us know if we should make t-shirts. I think we should do that. Maddie thinks we should make t-shirts. Maddie thinks we should make (laughs) t-shirts. More to come. I was going to say, hey, if you guys have any uh, feedback, you can shoot us all an email at uh, Flying Midwest Podcast at gmail.com or on the book of faces or the gram the instagram tell us about your first solo stories we would love to hear them maybe we'll share more next episode hey that's a good idea there we go voila as my mom says (laughs) well thanks for joining us on this episode of the flying midwest podcast until next time see ya see ya see ya Thanks so much for joining us on the Flying Midwest Podcast. Until next time, podcast service terminated, Squawk VFR, frequency change approved. Good day. I'm calling AOP illegal. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, Fizdo? I I think it's, yeah, hello, Fizdo. I would like to make a complaint. And I so, wasn't I wasn't pulling your chain. I called the Fizdo um with a special <laughs> Brian Turner number. <laughs> it's a, it's a and you're no longer instrument rated. Yeah. Sorry. Well, that was a really fun introduction to the episode. Some good oh, let me try one more time. <laughs> Is that a foot? Ew, get feet away from me, Trevor. Yeah. Did you not hear any of that, Jeff? <laughs> Oh, I heard it all. (laughs) I had to stop and comment that this is why editing takes so long sometimes. Northern (laughs) Agilia. So you may recall that, oh, wow, that was like, (laughs) I've got a lot of endorsements from Brian Turner. Right? None of them are worth a damn, but he endorsed the hell out of that thing. Eighth time's the charm, as they say. (laughs) More like tenth, but who's counting? Apparently you were. (laughs) Hazards of not living alone. Recording a podcast. God. Gosh. Are you sending her on a wild goose chase, Trevor? No, no, there's no, there's it's I found the goose. Um just got weird quick <laughs> not using any of that <laughs> cute that can go in our uh pg-13 slash rated r blooper uh-huh, reel uh-huh. that we're definitely gonna have after this episode <laughs> yeah this one was brutal just um, tell the damn story <laughs> yes jim <laughs> i've had the attitude all night you guys are just noticing yeah Jeez. i'm sleepy yeah well we're kind of blind yeah is i'm not a boy, but I have one in my possession. I don't know. Maybe it could be a truck driver. Still got the number of that truck driver school we saw. Truck Masters, I think it was. I think I'm going to need that. 
See ya. See ya. See ya. Bye. Do we, what do we want to do over? It was yeah, kind that of was, a, that was pretty sad. It was a run on see ya. <laughs> see ya. Even mine, it didn't have the gusto it normally does. Yeah. I'm just Jack loves a good see ya. So let's, let's okay. bring it for Jack. For Jack. I found the goose.